Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Exodus chapter 13 and reading for our text verse 18 or part of verse 18. I wish this evening to continue with the series The Way. We read in verse 18, But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness. That is our text. The way of the wilderness. Of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. In the previous verse, we read of another way that the Lord did not lead them. It came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war, and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. So this then is Israel's experience right at the very beginning, when the Lord brings them out of the house of bondage, out of Egypt, God makes a choice as to which way that they should go. We know even with the wilderness journey, uh, it was only uh, a short time that brought them to uh, Sinai and then it was only from there another 11 days journey to Kadesh Barnea. And so really the, the whole journey is 15 days would have seen them uh, to, to be able to march the, the full distance. It did not need two years, it did not need 40 years. But God chose for them that path that was into the wilderness which was to be the way that they would walk through before they came into the promised land. The other alternative was the way that was near the Mediterranean Sea, the way of the Philistines, a way which was not uh, wilderness, a way which, well, now it is, that would be the Gaza Strip along that way. And the reason is given by God, lest they saw war. We might say, well, they... They had the Egyptians follow after them very quickly, but they didn't have to fight. The Lord fought for uh, them and the Lord destroyed the Egyptians in the Red Sea. But you can be sure that when the Lord chooses out a way for his people and here with the children of Israel, the Lord sets before us as two ways and he tells us very clearly there was a reason why. He chose one way, but not another way. <clears throat> and so uh, the uh, time to uh, the, the children of Israel actually had to bring them uh, to Sinai was some three months. They spent a year there and then another three months uh, to the borders of the Promised Land. Before then they were driven back and those that had brought up an evil report of the land and those that believed that report, which was all the congregation apart from Caleb and Joshua, 
they were to perish in the wilderness during the next 40 years. And so when we read the uh, book of Exodus that we have here with our text, if we go through to the uh, end of that book, we read in chapter 40, verse 17, that it is the uh, first month in the second, in the uh, in the fortieth year uh, that, or, or sorry, that the uh, first month of the second year that the tabernacle was actually raised up. So uh, the book of Exodus doesn't bring them through the forty years; it just brings them through to when the tabernacle was raised up. You've got to go to the book of Numbers to then see what happened. And we can only go then to Numbers 13, 14, where they came to the promised land. The spies brought back the evil report and then they're driven back into the wilderness. And you then come to chapter 20 and suddenly you've passed over uh, nearly 40 years. Very little is mentioned at all about those 40 years. And it is only after Numbers 20 that then you read about Balaam, then you read about many things that are happening before they actually go into the Promised Land. There is a veil of silence really over most of those 40 years in the wilderness and yet nevertheless we are told why they went through that way and what the Lord did especially by way of teaching and instruction in that way. So this evening the way of the wilderness. The first point I wish to cover is what warrant we have for taking the way of the wilderness spiritually. To look at this that Israel went through and to see how at all it can rightly be applied to us and in a gospel sense. Then secondly, I want to speak of the wilderness experience. And then thirdly, what the wilderness way is to God's people. But firstly, what warrant do we have when we have here a historical account of the children of Israel going to Canaan, the promised land from Egypt? Well, if we look at what is set before us and said of the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 14. We read in verse 2 in Deuteronomy 14, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself, above all the nations that are upon the earth. And that is what the Lord says of Israel. Now, if we compare that with what Peter speaks of the people of God, uh, we 
read there, if I can find the, uh, the right portion of it, I think it's in Peter chapter 2, uh, and I'm not sure whether I've got the, the right reference here uh, for it. But Peter, he speaks of the people of God uh, as being a peculiar people, a, uh, a people that are chosen generation. Yes, it's in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And he's bringing together really both Jew and Gentile, the people of God, and he's describing them in the same way as what Moses describes the people of God as in Deuteronomy. If we then go to how Paul is by inspiration called to speak of the people of God, he says to his epistle to Titus chapter 2, of our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. So we have those. We have the idea of the children of Israel of a people that are brought out they're brought out of one nation and brought to be a nation on their own. They're separated, separated unto the Lord. And it is said of the people of God, come ye out from among them, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. You shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. We have our Lord saying of the people of God, uh, that they are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. He's making a clear separation between the people of God and the people of the world. And that is what we read of in Deuteronomy, that the children of Israel as a typical people were separated from all the other nations, a peculiar nation unto the Lord. And there is not today a nation like that where God's people scattered through all nations are that people that though in the world they are not of the world, they are spoken of in Paul's epistle to the Hebrews as strangers and of pilgrims. And the Apostle Paul also, he uses the rejection of those that died in the wilderness as a reason why we should not harden our hearts under the gospel, remembering those that did not believe, those that limited the Lord and that then perished in the wilderness. We have as well the idea, here is a people that go from Egypt 
into the wilderness, but they pass through the wilderness. They're not giving any promises of life or staying in there or building houses or making a nation there. But all the time they had the promise set before them of the land of Canaan, the land that flowed in milk and honey, the land of promise. And the way to that was through the uh, River Jordan, a typical then of death. So we have these things that are set before us in Scripture that the children of Israel were a typical people. What happened to them was typical, and we, we see that in a little moment as well in some other things we look at. And so when we have in our text the wilderness way as walked by the children of Israel, we would say that this is also a way that is descriptive of all of the people of God, a wilderness way, or in the way of our text, the way of the wilderness. So I want to then look secondly at the wilderness experience. Now, there's many different thoughts on this by different commentators, and I wanted to, to head it in this way, the wilderness experience, because it is, is quite a, a common descriptive thing, but I believe many completely miss the mark. Many of them, they will say, well, a wilderness experience is when we're down, when we're low. It's like the experience that Job went through, how that Satan was permitted to uh, attack him, take away all his goods, take away his health, and the great trial that he went through. They would say it's like Elijah that was brought very low and despondent and went down, went to Horeb and the Lord there spoke to him, gave him fresh commission and gave him Elisha. It would speak of it like our Lord that was driven after his baptism into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil 40 days and 40 nights. And they speak of it as throughout the life of God's people having these wilderness experiences, these downs, these low places, these times of tribulation and sorrow. But in that, I completely disagree with them. Though those experiences are part of the experience of God's children in the wilderness, yet the wilderness experience and especially if we look at it as Israel as a type, it went right from when they were first brought out of Egypt, even before they were given the law of God, it was when they were released from bondage, right from that point, then right through till they came to the River Jordan. It wasn't until they came through that River Jordan they were out of the wilderness. And to me, it is very clear the wilderness experience is the experience of a child of God 
right from when the Lord gives them the new birth, implants that new life within. It is encompassed really with what our Lord is set forth in Hebrews 12. He is the author and finisher of our faith. From the author or beginning of our faith to the finisher of our faith at death, that is the wilderness experience. It is not just one or two experiences or those things that are through uh, life. It is the whole experience of life. It is what this world is to a born-again Christian. It is how God's people view this world, which is very, very different than those that are not God's people. Those that are not God's people, they have uh, illnesses, depressions and troubles and sorrows, and they have all of those things. But it is only God's people that look at the world in a very different line. They look at it as being a land that they are passing through. The Lord says, this is not your rest, it is polluted. He says, as we quoted before, that his people are not of this world. When do they first feel that? When do they first realise that they are not of this world, that they have a home above, that they have a promised land? Is not in unregeneracy. It's not when they're dead in trespasses and sins. It's when they have been quickened into life. And I know that I have walked this path myself when the Lord first began with me. He began in two ways. One, it was to make me feel my sinnership, my ignorance of the things of God. And he dealt in that way, giving a real appetite and longing to know the things of God and so immediately attentive to the means of grace in every time, every opportunity I got and to read the word of God, seeking salvation for my soul. But then he was working in providence as well. And when I was going through it, I did not realise the link or the joining before them. I could not work out why my hobbies, my pleasures, my pursuits in this world that were all-consuming in the things that I was doing, not sinful in themselves, but worldly, and God was not in them. Yet I prove what Solomon says, Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. A stamp of emptiness, a stamp of barrenness to be upon them, and a difference that... Uh, was felt in me and I wondered why others couldn't see that difference, why they couldn't understand, why I had to separate from many things that I was doing and separate from company that I was in because it was a worldly company, a company of which I could not find any communion, fellowship or real friendship for my soul and for the path that I was walking in. It was the same world, but I was a different person. And the world viewed from me, uh, through my eyes now as opened eyes, it was a, a different world, a world in which 
God was not uppermost, it was hostile, it was barren, it was not a place of which my soul found food and rest and comfort and uh, the pleasures of my soul were not satisfied in this world at all. And so that wilderness experience being brought into the wilderness, it should really mark a person, I believe, right from conversion as to how they view this world. And yes, through that experience, through their lives, they will have times like dear Job. They will have times like our Lord, tempted of the devil. They will have times like Elijah, very cast down, fleeing from the Jezebels. But that is not what marks out the wilderness. It is the whole life and the path that God has chosen for them right from the beginning. And through that path, there will be then the various experiences through that way. And I believe it is very important that we have this mark in a call by grace that the view of this world is changed. Our appetite is changed. Remember the one thing that the children of Israel in the wilderness, when they started murmuring, complaining, it was all to do with appetite. They remembered in Egypt, they had the leeks, the cucumbers, the garlic, they had all those things and all they had in the wilderness was this manna. Well, the natural man, and when we are low, when we are backsliding, then we're just like that. We don't like the manna, the Lord Jesus Christ, as food for our souls. And our flesh craves that which is from this world and what the fallen nature loves. But... That is not the path that we are to walk in. And the Lord in mercy kept his people, chastened them, but brought them through that wilderness and really right from the very beginning. He says in the verse prior to our text, one reason why he didn't bring them through the land of the Philistines was so that they didn't turn round and go back to Egypt. The Lord brought them through the Red Sea. So then the Red Sea was away and then closed behind them, destroyed the Egyptians. The Lord did things to make it hard for his people to go back. And it is a good thing where the Lord does that in our lives, in our experience, perhaps things we've said, things we've done, things the Lord has brought us in, They've marked out the way that even when we have a tendency to want to go back, then the way is stopped up and we cannot return. We have no choice but to go on and to go forward, pressing onwards and pressing to the mark that is set before us. So the wilderness experience, I hope it is so with us and that uh, also it is a comfort if we find this world to be but a place of which for our soul we do not find there to be that which satisfies us. Very often we prove what Solomon proved and he had 
all the wealth he wanted, all the ability to do everything that he wanted. And his verdict was that it was all emptiness. It was all vain. It was all empty. There was nothing substantial in it. You know, by nature we go after things all the time that are just outside our reach. We just want this. We just want that. And all the time it just eludes us. And when we get what we thought would bring us peace and happiness and quietness, then it doesn't. So we want something else. And we're reaching forward to get that all the time. Temporal things. The Lord in mercy will make sure they do not satisfy a living soul. They do not satisfy one of his children and the Lord will make sure that this world to us, if we are his, is a wilderness. There is nothing that naturally springs up from it that will satisfy our souls. It must come from heaven. It must be given above. And this then is the wilderness experience from beginning to the end, our worldview changed, our appetite changed, our experience changed. The way that we walk is described as in our text as the way of the wilderness. That is the way that we walk. I want to then look thirdly at what the wilderness is for God's people what the wilderness way is to God's people well if we turn to Deuteronomy and chapter 8 we start to get a summary of what the Lord was doing in the wilderness and right at the start we would remark this, here is God's people in this world but not of it, proving and finding it to be a wilderness, no food for their soul, nothing to satisfy their thirst, hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them, and yet in that wilderness God makes it to be a prophet. It's his choice, his appointing, and he makes it a way, there's not a wasted way. I remember that. This life and the path that we walk, however foreign we might feel, however not of the world we might feel, is not wasted time. Not wasted time. We would remember that right from the very start there, the Lord went before them, even before the tabernacle was reared up, he went before them in a pillar of fire by night, a cloud by day, so that they could go by day and by night. He was to be their guide. You compare that with John 10, when the Lord speaks of himself as the good shepherd. When he putteth forth his sheep, he goeth before them. It's exactly what happened with the children of Israel. They follow him. They know his voice. And this was the mark. Again, we think of the wilderness journey being all the way because that pillar of fire and that leading started right from when they left Egypt, 
right to when they went over Jordan. All the way they were led, all the way it was day and night, and it was the Lord that decided when they moved, when they stayed, how long they had in one place, how short a time they had in one place, and the way that they went, because in the wilderness we are told where there is no way, there's no markers, there's no roads, there's no directions, there's no signposts. The Lord led them forth by the right way that they might go unto a city of habitation. Psalm 107. What encouragement that, that is for us, especially... You know, sometimes we can't see very clearly that we've been guided and directed. Other times we can, very clearly we can. And we know then that the children of Israel were directed all of the way. And we have that assurance as well as the people of God that we will be directed all the way. The Lord will go before us. He will make his goodness pass before us. In spite of all our sin, in spite of all our provocations, the Lord will do that. And so we read then in Deuteronomy chapter 8, that thou shalt, in verse 2, thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee. And that's the first thing that is mentioned here, that they were led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee to know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. This was how our Lord rebuffed Satan when Satan said, in the wilderness, command these stones that they might be made bread. And our Lord rebuffed him with that it shall be that man shall not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So the Lord used this. And we may think in our lives as the Lord brings us to view the world as a wilderness, remember 40 years is a 40 is a testing time. 40 years in the wilderness, 40 days the rain was upon the earth in Noah's flood, 40 days the Lord tempted in the wilderness, 40 days Goliath uh, challenged Israel to find one to uh, fight him. Forty days were given to the Ninevites until they were going to be destroyed. All the time it is a testing time, forty days from the time our Lord rose from the dead until the time he ascended up into heaven. Forty days in which he appeared to his disciples, proving his resurrection from the dead. Forty days, very important number, forty. And through this then, wilderness the Lord was to do this man by nature is proud so the Lord humbles and he proves the Lord knows what's in the heart of his people but they are to as in Ezekiel turn again thou son of man thou shalt see greater abominations than these 
God's people out and don't be surprised if in the way you feel to get worse and worse your own feelings more of a sinner and you value then more and more the grace and mercy and long-suffering of the Lord that his mercies are new every morning and the children of Israel they they had that but as we know these things do we turn back in the trials in the in the proving it is the miracle that the Lord's people stay on their way they stay in the wilderness in spite of their sin in spite of their heart and they are humbled but they are fed and it is a lesser thing when we think of the children of Israel they had that manna from heaven and our Lord opens that up very beautifully in John 6 that Moses gave you not that manna from heaven but my father giveth you the true manna I am the bread that cometh down from heaven if any man eat of this bread he shall li uh, uh, live forever that he shall uh, not perish and the Lord it beautifully opens up what he is, is the bread of life. And the children of Israel had this. It didn't come from the wilderness. It came from above. It didn't come from man. It came from God. It was a miracle. God provided it. And this is a beautiful picture of a child of God receiving food for their souls, bread from heaven, not living by the natural bread. Yes, we live for that for our bodies. But if we have a soul, remember one of the uh, commissions that were given to Peter, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. God's dear people need feeding and need feeding with the word of God. And so you won't find that. From this world, it will supply all natural things, temporal things. But the word of God comes through the word of God and through the preaching of the word of God in this world. And that is how God feeds his people. Then we read concerning the water. And there's those times the children of Israel, they, they had no water. They cried to the Lord. He commanded Moses to strike them at rock. And the waters flowed forth. Paul, he says, they drank of that spiritual rock which followed them, and that rock was Christ. Very clearly linking the wilderness journey to the experience of God's children. And that which our Lord said to the woman at the well of the Samaria, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou hast asked of him living water, and he should give unto thee that water that endureth unto eternal life. Now then she desired that water and desired that blessing of eternal life. And the Lord uh, gave that to her. And the way he dealt with her, he revealed to her who he was, not only directly, but in the way that she said to the men of Samaria, come see a man that told me all things that ever I did is not this, the Christ. And through the wilderness, that was one of the great things that had to be done for the children of Israel. 
they had to be given the types and shadows of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. They were to have views of him. And you and I, if we are truly walking this wilderness way, we will have views of the Lord Jesus Christ in different ways. They had it when they went through the Red Sea. The Red Sea was part of the Red Sea of Christ's blood. Every blessing comes to us through Jesus' precious blood. All the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. And it was through Christ that the children of Israel were saved and that their enemies were destroyed. Afterwards, three days later, they were murmuring, they had no water, then they came to Mara, where the waters were bitter, and the Lord showed Moses a tree, which when cast into the waters, made those bitter waters sweet. A beautiful type of our Lord Jesus Christ, the tree of life, cast into the bitter tribulations, in me ye shall have peace, in the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In other words, the world, the wilderness, there you'll have your tribulation, but in me, in me the tree of life, cast into those bitter times, the bitter experiences, then you will have peace. The beautiful type of our Lord. Then we come to Mount Sinai and the law of God is given but is it kept? No, it's broken and the stones are broken at the bottom of the hill uh, the mountain and the golden calf is ground to powder and the people made to drink it but then God commands again and the uh, tables are renewed and the completed tables are put into the ark when it is made, and a beautiful type of the Lord Jesus Christ fulfilling the law for us and uh, making it honourable. And that was then to be carried before the children of Israel constantly as a reminder of the fulfilled law of God. And they had then in the tabernacle and all its parts, the holiest of all, the veil, they had in it the... Uh, golden censer they uh, uh, they had the uh, showbread table of showbread they had the candlestick and all these things that set forth our Lord in the outer court the altar of burnt offering always there had to be without the shedding of blood there is no remission and there Israel were taught taught of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ in every part of the ceremonial law and of the ark and of the tabernacle all pointed to our Lord. And then when Israel sinned and the Lord sent fiery serpents amongst them and he commanded Moses to raise up a brazen serpent and those that looked they lived. And our Lord speaks of that in John chapter 3. Like as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have eternal life. And there we have again the drawing a parallel in the Gospel day for all of the people of God to the type, the shadow 
in the wilderness for the children of Israel. But we are to expect in the wilderness journey, when we are bitten by sin, when we have those deadly things about us and poison in us, that we are to look to the Lord. We look to him that was raised up on Calvary's tree, that suffered, bled and died there. And those that believed, those that trusted the word of the Lord, they lived. And it's a lesson to us when we are overcome by sin, by our rebellion, by our ill manners in the wilderness like them, that we believe the gospel. And we like Jonah, though cast out of the Lord's sight, yet will I look again toward thy holy temple. And the Lord spake unto the fish, it vomited him out on dry land. Again, the time uh, that uh, later on, when they were in the promised land, Solomon, in raising up the uh, temple, he dedicated it with the prayer that in whatever place the children of Israel were to be brought in, if they looked toward that place, really setting forth our Lord Jesus Christ, then the Lord would hear their prayer and deliver and save them. But it was right through then the wilderness, they were to experience the leading, the teaching, the humbling, the feeding of the Lord. All the way through, that was not their rest, their passing through, you and I. If we're truly the people of the Lord, we're passing through. But as we're passing through it, how often it must be, like John Baptist said, that I must decrease, he must increase. And that is what is emphasised here in Deuteronomy, the humbling, the laying low, and the exalting of the mercy of the Lord again and again. This is the path that is described to us here as the way of the wilderness. It is the wilderness way and what it is to God's people, what the Lord makes it to be. And that is the crucial thing. We will find in it nothing to satisfy us all. But when the Lord makes our crosses, our afflictions, our troubles, our sorrows work for good, when that tree is cast into those sorrows, when we can say with dear Joseph, he meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, when we can see the Lord going before us in it, so we see this balance on the one hand, the world is not our rest and we can't find that comfort for our soul in it. And yet on the other, we find the Lord using it, even our enemies, even like the children of Israel proved when Balak brought Balaam to go and curse the children of Israel. Instead of cursing them, he blessed them in three places, seven times each time, a beautiful illustration of the Trinity blessed with Father, Son and Holy Spirit, one God, one God all to do with the sacrifice of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Father sending the Son, the willing Son obeying and the Holy Spirit 
bearing witness with our spirit and sending, sent down from the Father at the request of the Son to powerfully work in the hearts of his people, calling them out of this world into this wilderness experience and there sustaining them until they come to the Jordan of death and brought above. May we count it a blessing if the Lord has called us and we view this world as a wilderness for our souls. We are not as others would look upon us, wanting to have great bucket lists. We're wanting to do this and this and go here and go there and see this and see that and do this and fill up all of our measure and the pleasure of this life. There are so many, even with a profession of faith, I'll put it in terms like this, that well, since we've known the Lord, then now we can live, live this life to the full. And all they're doing is living the life of the world, casting the name of Jesus into the scale. But really they're unchanged. The world is their rest, and what they bring into the house of God is just the world. Worldly music, worldly ways, worldly dress, worldly message, and nothing to satisfy a living soul, nothing to satisfy the poor, tried and afflicted child of God. And if you're in a church like that, the Lord deliver you out of it. It is really a test of whether a child of God can feed upon the word, feed upon that for the soul, Christ is the bread of life. He is the one that has cast and come into this world and to feed his dear people. That which the Lord gives is meat indeed and that which he gives is his flesh. And we have it set forth in the ordinances of the house of God and apart from that as well in, in what our Lord said except ye eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man ye have no life in you that is to be our spiritual food that is what we are to feed upon Christ's death, Christ's sufferings Paul says that I determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified in the wilderness journey for the children of Israel, how it exalts a merciful, gracious, long-suffering God, how it exalts our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ as the way through the wilderness way. And that is the only way you and I can go and get to the promised land at last. Well, may the Lord bless us with knowing this way as what it is spiritually. May we off see that fiery, cloudy pillar go before us in the way, the way of the wilderness. Amen.